Hi, I'm Julia Lewis, and this is my podcast on climate justice. Firstly, let me break down some definitions for you. I'll start with climate change. According to NASA, climate change refers to any long-term change in the Earth's climate or in a climate of a region or city. This includes warming, cooling, and changes beside temperature, like precipitation. In her TED Talk, Jill McIntyre-Witt said climate justice is the intersectionality of social, racial, economic, and environmental struggles. In the paper Climate Justice in the International Regime Before, During, and After Paris, 2016 by C. O'Kerrickey and P. Coventry, they go into the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or, P- or IPCC. They recognise that a notable distinction between rich industrialised countries and poor developing countries has been evolving since the 70s when these environmental treaties began. Burden sharing remains a focal point of the international politics of climate change. Due to the want for equality between the global north and south, the IPCC identified specific responsibilities for industrialised countries, including provisions of finance and technology. Let me add another definition there. Global North and Global South or North-South divide is a really broad way of dividing the world into rich and poor. Global South is used to describe the poor countries that lie roughly south of the equator, which are developing or third world countries. This is with the exception of Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. Global North is the parallel of this. The IPCC made separate climate obligations for North and South, defending the Global South in their need to possibly increase emissions while they industrialise and ideally build their way out of poverty. This has caused much controversy with oil-producing nations expressing their reluctance and climate-vulnerable nations asserting their right to survival. The US and other affluent nations argue it would be pointless for them to reduce emissions while allowing unchecked carbon pollution from some of the world's highest emitters located in the South. Crucially, when the US checked out of the Kyoto Protocol, it added to the perception that action on climate change exists only to be an economic burden on well-developed, successful countries. What I'm saying is the planet's on fucking fire. Thank you, Bill Nye. But of course, climate change will be an extreme financial burden on all countries if actions are not taken to cooperate and reduce emission figures globally. Many are afraid of what could happen if key players like the US, China, Europe and ourselves do not provide strong leadership backed up by action to minimise greenhouse gases. I attended a climate rally recently to make my voice heard with these people. I'm at a SNAP climate emergency rally on Friday 24th of May in Melbourne CBD. Organised by Extinction Rebellion, it's for people to express their fear, passion and outrage about the climate crisis. The people here and I are calling on the newly re-elected federal Liberal government to declare a climate emergency, as has been done federally in Scotland, Wales and the UK. The dangers of climate change will vary greatly from area to area, but Australia, with our long, hot, dry summers and propensity for drought, our coastal cities and agricultural businesses we operate across just over half, 51% of Australia's total land area, the 2017 census. Global heating will undeniably hit Australia very hard, and 5,000-plus people have gathered here in Melbourne in the rain to show their concern. Many low-lying nations with coastal areas at or near sea level are currently being impacted by the rising seas. Five Pacific Micronesian islands have disappeared. Six of the Solomon Islands have had large swathes of land washed into the sea and villages destroyed. The Caribbean island nation of St Kitts and Nevis has lost more than a quarter of its land area. Vietnam and Bulgaria have also lost 4.74% and 1.87% of their land, respectively. They were closely followed by the island nations of Seychelles and Cuba. The climate justice movement is effective because it brings together various communities concerned with more than just the ecological effects of climate change. 
This can be seen at every climate change rally. I saw it for myself recently. There were the vegan marchers chanting about animal agriculture's effect on the climate. There were the indigenous communities, both local and remote, marching for the protection of country in their shared fight against climate change and its effects. Scholars, scientists, parents, grandparents, school children, environmental groups, immigrants, farmers, women, political parties, uni students, healthcare workers, musicians, corporates on their lunch break, even pets. Groups come together from many walks of life, supporting philosophies that have, all have the same common goal, climate action and climate justice. Stand up, fight back! Stand up, fight back! Stand up, fight back! Stand up, fight back! Internationally, the climate justice movement holds environmental goals at the heart of interlacing economic social and racial justice. Climate justice is the opportunity for the people of smaller, poorer nations to unite together, standing up against oppression, climate change and corruption of government. These people are advocating innovations like widespread solar panel use in Bangladesh, 95% renewable energy in Costa Rica, a 90% renewables target by 2020 in Nicaragua, nearly 95% renewable energy in Uruguay, the world's largest solar panel in Morocco, and geothermal energy and wind farms in Kenya. The not-so-secret secret behind the success of these efforts has been touted as clear decision-making, a supportive regulatory environment, and a strong partnership between public and private sector. This is a combination possible almost everywhere in the world. It kills me we cannot get it together. The take-home message of global climate justice is, without it, marginalised countries won't be able to survive. We need strong North and South governments to lead the way, unaffected by big oil and big business. We need effective international environmental treaties and continued cooperation between the North and South. To borrow a phrase used widely from climate marches and coined by world-famous activist Naomi Klein, to change everything, we need everyone.